0: Today is Saturday, May 22, 2021. On this day in 1951, Kenneth Bianchi was born. Decades later, he and his cousin, Angelo Buono, became known as the Hillside Stranglers after murdering seven young women and three underage girls. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the day Kenneth Bianchi, one of the Hillside Stranglers, was born. Let's go back to Rochester, New York on May 22, 1951. Kenneth Bianchi never met his birth mother, and little is known about her today. By some accounts, she was attractive, blonde, and only 17 years old. She was also an alcoholic, and unable to properly care for her son. She gave up baby Kenny three weeks after he was born. He was adopted by Francis Bianchi in August 1951, when he was three years old but his new family life quickly grew volatile, which worsened his burgeoning health issues. By the time he was five, Kenny developed petty mal seizures, which caused him to go into daydream-like trances. He was also a perpetual bedwetter. On top of forcing her son to wear sanitary napkins in public, his adoptive mother, Frances, often dragged Kenny to the doctor to be checked for urinary tract infections. When doctors handled his genitals and painfully inserted the catheter, he felt humiliated and violated. Kenny fought back the only way he could by throwing temper tantrums. He refused to put in any effort at school, earning poor grades despite a high IQ score. In 1962, Francis enrolled 11-year-old Kenny in the Holy Apostles Grammar School. She wanted him to study scripture. Kenny was a fast learner. In addition to discovering his excellent verbal skills around this time, he plucked selectively from Catholic teachings, but only when it suited his inflated sense of self-worth. In romantic relationships, Kenny demanded fidelity and purity from women. He compared girls his own age against the Holy Virgin and blamed them for coming up short. Yet he had no interest in living up to his own standards. Kenny married Brenda Beck when they were both 18 years old, but his brutal expectations for his wife caused her to leave just months after the wedding. Kenny shrugged the relationship off, calling it an annulment. He was already dating several other women. One of these girlfriends got a letter from Kenny in 1972. At age 21, Kenny claimed he was suspected of committing the infamous Alphabet Murders. Eyewitnesses spotted a man who looked like Kenny, driving a small blue car near one of the crime scenes. Although he didn't own a vehicle like that, one of his girlfriends did, and she lent it to him frequently. Whether he was actually involved in the murders is unclear, but after the police inquiry, he fled Rochester for good. In 1976, 25-year-old Kenny set off for Los Angeles to stay with his cousin, Angelo. Just a year later, the two of them terrorized the city and became known as the Hillside Stranglers. Up next, Kenneth Bianchi starts killing. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now back to the story. On May 22, 1951, Kenneth Bianchi was born. His early life was traumatic, and he soon grew into a pathological manipulator. Though Kenny was under suspicion for committing the Alphabet murders in 1972, his only known crimes as a young man involved petty thievery. All that changed when he arrived in Los Angeles in 1976. Kenny moved in with his 42-year-old cousin, Angelo Buono, and was soon amazed by how Angelo dealt with women. While Kenny tried to be charming and eloquent, Angelo was terse, forceful, and more successful. Kenny wanted to be more like Angelo, but first he needed money. The local sheriff's office turned his application down, so he focused on another of his passions, psychology, He reportedly opened a psychiatry service using a phony PhD certificate and stolen college transcripts. The scam didn't pay well. Angelo soon came up with an easier way to make serious money, but it meant Kenny needed to get his hands dirty. With Angelo's encouragement, Kenny smooth-talked two underage girls into coming to their house and forced them into sex slavery. Then he and Angelo tried to get their hands on a high-profile client list from a veteran sex worker. Luckily, the girls they kidnapped outsmarted them and got away. It was then that the men discovered their client list was no good, craving payback. Kenny and Angelo strangled the sex worker who gave them the fraudulent list on October 17, 1977. Kenny enjoyed the murder. After he and Angelo dumped the victim's body in the hills near Warner Brothers Studios, they started planning their next attack posing as policemen they took to stopping women on the street and ordering them into their car they sexually assaulted their victims before strangling them the women they targeted were often blonde and most appeared to be in their late teens either by coincidence or deliberate evil kenny hunted women and girls who resembled his birth mother Since he and Angelo dumped the bodies in the barren hills on the outskirts of L.A., the media started calling them the Hillside Strangler. As the bodies piled up, Kenny grew reckless. Police questioned him in relation to two of the victims, who were his neighbors. When Angelo heard the police were getting close, he told Kenny to get out of L.A. or else. In May 1978, Kenny headed north to Bellingham, Washington. Eight months later, he killed again, this time alone. He left behind an obvious trail. One of the girls had mentioned Kenny by name to a boyfriend. When police searched his home, they discovered jewelry belonging to the Hillside Strangler victims, going all the way back to their first murder. Authorities soon gathered enough evidence to convict Kenny for 12 murders. But Kenny had one last scheme to save himself. Kenny had confessed to the murders only as Steve Walker, who was supposedly his other personality. Using his basic knowledge of psychology, Kenny claimed he was completely unaware of the killings committed by this other self. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity in court. But police knew Kenny was a pathological liar, They brought in Professor of Psychiatry and Psychology Martin Orne to dismantle his claims of insanity. Orne tricked Kenny into physically engaging with a hallucination during hypnosis. This was a huge red flag, since a patient who was actually hypnotized would never do that unprompted. Convinced Kenny was a fraud, Orne played Kenny by telling him during a session that patients with multiple personality disorder, known as dissociative identity disorder today, never had less than three alter personalities. None to Orne's surprise, Kenny suddenly brought out a third personality named Billy, but it was no use. Realizing his lies had failed, Kenny switched to a guilty plea to avoid the death sentence. He and his cousin Angelo were put behind bars, ensuring that the hillside strangler would never see the light of day again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. In True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.